This message was presented at the DYC 2013 conference, Before Man and Angels, in Orlando, Florida. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.dycweb.org. Father, thank you so much that at the cross, Lord, we can find grace and strength, power in times of need. And Lord Jesus, we know that the ministration of angels is extremely important. And Lord, we pray and ask that, um, that the Holy Spirit would be present, God, to teach us, to guide us. And we pray that angels would be present, Lord, because we desire to know more about them. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Welcome to Angelic Psychology 101. Angelic Psychology 101. We have one more seminar after this, and that is tomorrow, and that's called Lucifer and the Great Controversy, Mysteries Revealed About the Great Rebellion. I'm probably more excited about this presentation than all the other presentations I've done prior to this because I believe there's some beautiful things that are going to be revealed during that presentation. A lot of things even most Adventists don't know about, so I really want to just encourage you to come on out. Angelic Psychology 101 is about learning more about the mind of an angel, the constant interactions of these heavenly beings, and about opening the door on their mysterious activity. Although this class is informative and by no means fully exhaustive, what we will discover will have practical applications for our existence today. Can you say amen to that? Angel quiz. Pop quiz. Remember, we are in a course, right? These are not going to be easy questions. Here you go. When do angels have wings? When you raise your hand, I will call upon you. <laughs> when do angels have wings? If you get the wrong answer, I will embarrass you. <laughs> Just kidding, I'm not that bad. Your hand is slowly being raised up. Are you raising your hand up? All right. When do angels have wings? When in the presence of God. Okay, very good. Anybody else? Yes. There are many times you don't see them with wings. But, ladies and gentlemen, when you do see them with wings, it is when they are primarily in the presence of God. That is when their wings are revealed. That's the only time in Scripture you actually see angels appear with wings only when they're in the presence of God. Other times you see them disguised as, you know, just young men or a person, but you don't really see their wings there. Only in the presence of God do you see the wings revealed. And perhaps it has to do with their part of their glory, you know, but we don't know until we get to heaven. But we do know in Scripture, it's only within the presence of God do they appear with wings. Okay, very good. Ready for number two? Name the top two creations in the universe. Yes. Angels and men. That's exactly right. Look what Ellen White says. Next to the angelic beings, the human family formed in the image of God are the what? Noblest of his created works. Very good. You guys are a very smart class. But I think I'm going to get you guys. Who has been called an angel in the Bible? Raise your hand if you think you know the answer. Yes, over there. 
Jesus, very good. Who else? Someone who's not an angel. <laughs> Who? John the Baptist, I wasn't going to call an angel. Yes. No, it said he had the face of an angel, right? Okay. Yes. David, very good. That's exactly right. Jesus has been referenced as an angel of the Lord, and David was called an angel actually by a Philistine king. The term can be a generic term depending on the context. Okay, very good. Let's go to number four. What two places does Gabriel give his name and why? It's a two-part question. So if you know where his name is given, you have to tell me why. All right, we got a hand over there. No. Yes. Okay. Okay, you get you got the first part of the question right. You get half a point. Anybody else? Okay, he appeared in the Gospel of Luke, and where else did he appear? Yes, that was in the Gospel of Luke when he also appeared to Mary too. That, so, where else did he appear? Okay, anybody else? The Book of Daniel. Okay, who, who raised their hand? Or who talked out a question? Okay. Okay, he appeared in the Book of Daniel, and he appeared in the Gospel of Luke to Mary and Zacharias. Why? Okay, hand right there. It had to do with the messianic prophecy. It was very precise. The book of Daniel and the gospel of Luke. Gabriel appeared the second time in Luke implying the messianic prophecy given in Daniel. Not, that's not that's one in, right? Not in, in. Daniel was near fulfillment. When he appeared to Daniel, he said, I'm Gabriel. And then when he appeared again to Zacharias and Mary and announced his name, they would have been tipped off that the messianic prophecy found in Daniel chapter 7 was nearing fulfillment. It was very precise and very intentional by Gabriel, and that's why he announced his name the second time. It was showing that the messianic prophecy was being fulfilled. Okay, here we go. Number five. Where are angels right now? Raise your hand if you think you know the answer. Yes. That's exactly right. There, in every meeting where the Word of God is taught, angels are present, ladies and gentlemen. So where are angels? They could be sitting right next to you. Look to the person on your right. Person on your left. They could be an angel, ladies and gentlemen. No joke. It would surprise you. Some of you are thinking, nope, it's definitely not that person. But here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. More times than often, we have actually encountered angels in our lives. And probably throughout this conference, in many ways, we've probably come across them when we did not realize who they really were. Angels are with us in this meeting as we speak now. And it would surprise you who they are. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants us to understand something very important about the ministry of angels. Angels are essentially categorized as a race of beings who were created by Christ. The Bible speaks in different places about these mysterious creatures. Angels carry out God's purposes and His plans throughout the whole universe. 
The scriptures also indicate that these creatures are nearest to the throne of God Almighty. The most significant phrase used to describe their identity is ministering spirits. Throughout scripture, various kinds and various ranks exist among these creatures. The introduction of chaos and death in our existence also started with these angels. Although these beings can appear as flesh and blood, their actual composition is beyond the current realm of understanding. However, there is much we do know about angels today. When you take a good look at scriptures, ladies and gentlemen, you take a good look in the book of Genesis, you see angels very present there in the life of Abraham, who's considered one of the greatest patriarch, right? Anybody know about when angels appeared in the life of Abraham? Yes, where? That's exactly right, when they're on their way to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, right? By the way, do you know what else Abraham prayed for? He prayed for an angel of the Lord to lead his servant to find a wife. Some of you guys have been praying the wrong prayers, ladies and gentlemen. The angels will help out in that too. No joke. You find angels very present in the ministry of Christ. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, when did angels appear in the life of Christ? When did he actually see them? Right after he was tempted, angels came and ministered to him. And when was the next time? Angels actually, he, he actually saw angels. Yes. In Gethsemane. Now notice this. Angels were always present throughout the ministry of Christ. But specifically when he knew that they were there, it was in the wilderness experience and it was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Why, was so, why were those two in, those experiences so interesting? What do they have in common? It was when Jesus was at his weakest that these angels actually manifest themselves in a very visible manner. And that's very important for us to understand, ladies and gentlemen, because these angels are present with us in some of our most difficult times. Can you say amen to that? Look what Ellen White says right here. Day by day, the conflict between good and evil is going on. Day by day, that's today also. As a people, we do not understand as we should the great conflict going on between invisible agencies, the controversy between loyal and disloyal angels. Evil angels are constantly at work, planning their line of attack, controlling as commanders, kings, and rulers the disloyal human forces. I call upon you who are not ready for the last great controversy to wake up. You are not watching for that which is soon coming upon the earth. Human instrumentalities under the control of fallen angels are seeking to gather in their harvest. Those who would find themselves under the protection of the angels of God must live wholly for God's glory, prepared to stand in their lot and their place. Over every person, good and evil angels strive. It is the person himself who determines which shall win. Now watch what she says right here. I call upon the ministers of Christ to press home the understanding of all who would come in within the reach of their voice, the truth of the ministration of angels. If there's ever a time we need to understand the ministration, ministration of angels, ladies and gentlemen, it is now. Because as we go closer and closer towards the end time, the devil and his angels are going to manifest themselves in a very strong and apparent and deceptive way. And God's angels are going to manifest themselves in a very strong and apparent way. And so the Lord wants us to understand as we go step by step closer to these times, unless we do not discern what he is doing, we are going to miss his guidance during those times. We need to understand what God is up to. Now, many of us, if I ask a question, tell me all you can about bad angels. You know what you guys would do? 
Most of you guys would raise your hand and you would say, they tempt, they annoy, they deceive people, they do all sorts of stuff, they do false miracles. And then I say to you, okay, what do you know about good angels? And probably most of you would say, they protect little Christian toddlers. <laughs> and that's all you know. Because we hear it every single Sabbath for children's story. But that's the extent of it. God wants us to understand there's more to the ministry of angels, and we need to understand a little bit about the way their mind works. In fact, take your Bible, and let's go to the gospel. Let's go to the book of Genesis. I'm going to show you something as we're about to dive into uh, the psychology of angels. The book of Genesis, chapter 28. Genesis, chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28, it's the story of Jacob. The story of Jacob. Very good. Genesis chapter 28 talks about Jacob's life. He had essentially ruined everything in his life. He attempted to steal the birthright from his brother. He deceived his father. Everybody in the camp was now in sort of this stress mode because of all the things that he caused. He was now being sent away. Generations prior, when Abraham sent his servant away, he sent him with lots of camels and a huge caravan. Now Jacob was being sent by himself to go look for a wife. And so Jacob felt cut off from his family. He felt cut off spiritually. He was in a place where he felt that he had reached the lowest part of his life. I mean, he didn't even have a pillow to sleep on, ladies and gentlemen. And there, out in the middle of a desert, he has a strange encounter. For a man who has felt he has destroyed God's plans in his life, look what the Bible says in Genesis 28, starting with verse 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards where? Haran. And so he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. Now watch this. He took one of the stones of that place. He put it at his head. He laid down it in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold a what? A ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God, now watch this, this is very precise, were ascending only. What does it say they were doing? It says that they were ascending and what? Descending. It's very precise. Now watch what the Bible says next. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of who? Abraham your father and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. And your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And in you and in all your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Now this is very precise. Think about this, ladies and gentlemen. Jacob feels like he has utterly can we let her in? That's actually one of my good friends. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sorry. Hey, Nicole, you're late. Anybody who comes late to the seminar, we will call them out. Amen? All right, so just think about this, ladies and gentlemen. This is extremely important, okay? Jacob has just felt like he has cut God's plans out of his life. He has utterly ruined things, okay? And then he has this great vision, and in this vision, what does he see? What is the first thing God shows him? 
a ladder, but not just a ladder, but what was happening on that ladder? Yeah, angels were coming up and they were going down. He was seeing angels coming up and then he was seeing angels come down. And then you know what he was seeing at the top of the ladder? He saw God there, right? Now this is very important. If you are walking by a construction site and you see a bunch of ladders and you see a bunch of cranes and it is completely empty and there's dirt and dust and the trash cans are full, what do you assume about that construction site? If there are nobody, no people there whatsoever, what do you assume about the construction? A, the construction has stopped because it's a day off. B, the construction has stopped because there is no more money. It's just been abandoned. But you know what Jacob sees? He actually sees angels going up and down the ladder. If you were seeing that same construction site and you were seeing people going up and down the ladder and the crane moving and people inside the crane, what do you assume about the construction site? It's in progress. So just think about this. He was actually seeing angels going up and down that ladder. That was the thing that God showed him. Do angels need ladders to go up and down to heaven? It's like, get the ladder out. We need to go back to heaven now. <laughs> Do they need ladders? Absolutely not. But it was designed to communicate a message to Jacob, and that, this was the message. God was saying to him, I'm still working on your life. The construction is still happening. He showed him, hey, angels are still working on your behalf. And that's why he was seeing angels going up, angels going down, angels going up, because God was still showing him the construction is still taking place. And what was so beautiful, he sees Christ at the top of it. Ladies and gentlemen, Jacob was not only given a revelation of Christ, he was given a revelation of angels when he felt like his life was utterly gone. And God has brought you to this conference for a very special reason because he wants to renew purpose in your life. Can you say amen to that? Now we're about to learn a little bit more about the mind of these angels. Let's find out what the scripture says that angels do. They do service to God. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 7 says that. They deliver messages. They carry out God's will. They report to God and give account. They worship God and they comprise God's army. They comprise God's army. Here's some of the names of angels. They're called sons of God, the heavenly hosts, the holy ones, the holy angels. They're called watchers. And by the way, Ellen White also makes references to angels being called watchers as well. So you see this throughout scripture. These angels have a very special purpose and names. Look what she says right here. Talking about angels. But in heaven, service is not rendered in the spirit of what? Legality. You know what legality means, ladies and gentlemen? It means you're constantly looking at the rules. You know, one case that everyone deals with every single day is when they're driving. What are you constantly having to do? Check your speed, check the sign, right? Because you're aware there are these laws that are very present, right? When Satan rebelled against the law of Jehovah, the thought that there was a law came to the angels almost as an awakening to something unthought of. Now, why was it such a surprise to the angels when God revealed, by the way, there are boundaries to heaven? Why was that all of a sudden a certain shock? Like, what? Because nobody knows the answer.
they were completely motivated by love. The law of God was in their hearts. There was no need for a law to just be articulated and expressed because it was already there. Look what, she, look what she says right here. In their ministry, the angels are not as servants, but as what? Sons. There is perfect unity between them and their creator. Obedience is to them no drudgery. Love for God makes their service a joy. So in every soul wherein Christ the hope of glory dwells, his words are re-echoed. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Notice this, ladies and gentlemen. This is the first thing we need to understand about angels. And that is this. There is perfect unity between them and their creator. And it is because the law of God is written into their what? their natures, into their very hearts. By the way, when you pray the Lord's Prayer and you pray for God's will to be done, do you have to pray for God's will to be done in heaven? What? You don't have to pray for God's will to be done in heaven? Do you have to pray for God's will to be done in heaven? Of course not, right? I'm just teasing you guys, right? I really do that to my church, by the way. I'll be like, and who is the Son of God? They're like, Jesus. And I said, are you sure? We're not sure anymore. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know what I mean? So here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. This is extremely important. We don't need to pray for God's will to be done in heaven because heaven is a place where what? God's will is being done. Thy will be done on earth as it has already been done where? In heaven. In fact, when you look at the rebellion of Lucifer, what does the Bible pinpoint about the rebellion of Lucifer in Isaiah 14? He says this in his heart, what? I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. In other words, Lucifer's problem was he was no longer seeking God's will. Whose will was he seeking? His own. And this is where the discord in heaven began. For this angel who began to do a lot of self-seeking. Now we're going to understand what makes an angel happy. You want to find out what makes an angel happy? Here we go. What can the angels of heaven think of? Poor, helpless beings who are subject to temptation. When God's heart of infinite love yearns to them, ready to give them more than they can ask or think, and yet they pray so little and have so little faith. The angels, what? Love to bow before God. They love to what? Be near Him, the source of life and light and love. They regard communion with God as their highest what? What is the highest joy of angels, ladies and gentlemen? It is communion with God. Now, is it your highest joy? Is it the highest joy? If we're going to be companions of heaven, ladies and gentlemen, associates of heaven one day, is communion with God our highest joy? And this is extremely important. These angels, they love to bow before God. They love to be in His very proximity. To them, there is nothing greater than being around God Almighty. Let's find out what else angels love. That God and His angels witnessed the testimony of the saints, and the Lord was well pleased and was glorified by their testimonies being repeated weekly. In other words, she was describing a prayer meeting. The Lord and His angels love simplicity and what? Humility. I saw that God had been displeased and angels grieved that professed heirs of God and joint heirs of God, Jesus, should suffer precious time to run waste in their meetings. Ladies and gentlemen, when you share a very simple, humble testimony from God, angels start smiling. They really enjoy when people testify of Christ out of the genuineness of their hearts, out of right motives. 
And that is something angels truly love to hear. Well, what else? A house with what? Love in it. Where love is expressed in words and looks and deed is a place where angels love to manifest their presence and they hallow their scene by rays of light from glory. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you this. I have been to people's house who are not really godly people. And as soon as you go into that house, you just sense this kind of strange, uncomfortable, antsy feeling that you just need to leave. I have been into the house of some of the most godliest people. The, one of my uh, friends, who's like, she's like my Christian mom, she's down in Southern California. Every time I visit her house, she just has this small apartment, okay? She has a few pictures of Jesus, and she is a prayer warrior. You go into that house, and you immediately sense the presence of angels. For many of you single people, ladies and gentlemen, building a house, making a home that one day that angels can dwell in is extremely important. And they love to dwell in a house that has love in it, where love is expressed, where worship takes place, ladies and gentlemen. That is a place. And by the way, I was going through the spirit policy over and over again, and she keeps talking about angels love homes like this. They really adore homes like this. And I was thinking to myself, why in the world would angels like homes like that? Who knows the answer? Yes. Okay, God is love. Okay, his spirit is manifest, right? It's like being near him, right? Any other reasons? Yes. It feels like heaven. And that's the conclusion I came to. It's a little taste of heaven for them. We have another hand raised. That's right. Heaven is not so much a location as it is a what? It's an atmosphere, a mindset, right? We can take heaven with us even in the worst circumstances, can't we, right? Let's find out what else angels love. Christ, the Lamb of God, can take away the desire to speak words which hurt and bruise the soul of others. His power is limitless, and if we shut ourselves in with him, we shall grow more like him. Strength will be given us to subdue the inclination to speak and judge harshly. We shall be able to make straight paths for our feet, lest the lame be turned out of the way. If we will yield heart and mind into the keeping of Christ, if we will control our thoughts, bringing them into obedience to his will, our words will be such as the angels love to what? hear and will bless all those whom we come in contact with. Ladies and gentlemen, God will give you a very heavenly presence as you minister to other people. Do you know there was a man by the name of Dwight L. Moody? You ever heard of him? He was an evangelist from the old days. This guy was such a simple man, but he was such a powerful preacher that there were thousands that were constantly being converted with him from, from uh, his message every week. In fact, there's a story of him one day on this train, and he's just sitting on this train. And this young man's just like on the other side of the train, and he's just looking at him like this. And he said, Dwight L. Moody wrote, and he's like, this guy was just staring at me. This young man was just staring at me with this look the whole time on the train ride. And, you know, he was over there, and he was just like making eye contact and looking away, you know, like a New York subway. You know, you just seen people right directly staring at you. He's like looking, and all of a sudden, at the end of the train ride, the young man comes walking up to him, and this is what he says to him. He says, sir... I don't know who you are, and you don't know who I am, but your very presence convicts me of my sin. And angels were around him, ladies and gentlemen. There have been times when I've been down in Southern California, been around my family, and my, you know, a bunch of doctors in my family, ER doctors, and they're so stressed out all the time. And I never forgot, one day I was talking to my brother-in-law, he's an ER doctor, and I was talking to him, then I said, hey, I got to get going, and he said, don't leave, man. He's like, I just sense 
peace around you. I'm thinking, really? <laughs> you know, I'm not really a peaceful guy. You know, I'm pretty, I, I stress people out, you know what I mean? But I just, I just never forgot that moment I realized, wow, angels are blessing, are just surrounding me right now and help minister to this man, even when it's not even what I'm saying to the guy. Ladies and gentlemen, more and more as you are doing the work of God, more and more as your heart is coming into union with God, the presence of heaven will be felt around you. Can you say amen to that? Angels will group around you. Well, what makes angels weep? Understanding the psychology of angels, what makes angels sad? Thinking to yourself, well, have you ever made an angel sad before? Well, let's find out. Angels that were loyal and true sought to reconcile the mighty rebellious angel to the will of his creator. Talking about Lucifer's rebellion. They clearly set forth that Jesus was the Son of God, existing with him before the angels were created. And by the way, towards the very end of this presentation, we're going to get into the psychology of fallen angels and what has happened to their mindset since the fall. You don't want to miss that part existing with him before the angels were created, that he had ever stood at the right hand of God and his mild, loving authority had not heretofore been questioned, and that he had given no commands but what it was his joy for the heavenly host to execute. They urged that Christ's receiving special honor from the Father in the presence of the angels did not detract from the honor that he had hitherto received. The angels, now watch this, the angels wept. They anxiously sought to move Satan to renounce his wicked design and yield submission to their creator. When Satan began this great rebellion, many of the angels were seeking to convince Lucifer of his wrong. And they were trying to convince him. And as he rejected them over and over again, they began to weep because they knew that he was hardening his heart. And they were starting to see where this rebellion might lead, ladies and gentlemen. And that is why they began to weep. There was now discord in the heavenly family. It broke the heart of angels, ladies and gentlemen, to see their own brothers fall away from the worship of the Creator. And so they wept and they began to weep more and more. She talks a little bit more about that rebellion. That to his son, will he reveal his secret purposes? And that all the heavenly family of heaven, Satan had not accepted, were required to yield implicit obedience. Satan boldly speaks out his rebellion and points to a large company who think God is unjust in not exalting him to be equal with God and not giving him command above Christ. He declares he cannot submit to be under Christ's command, that God's commands alone will he obey. Good angels weep to hear the words of Satan and to see how he despises to follow the direction of who? Christ, their exalted and loving commander. In fact, just to give you a heads up in the next session that we cover, this is something that's going to blow your mind away. And this is something a lot of people don't understand. And that is this. Many of the angels did not truly understand who Christ really was in heaven. They did not fully realize who he was. And this is why many of them actually turned. Not because of something that God did or some deficiency, but because they rejected the light that God began to reveal more and more about the character or the mission of Christ, the position of Christ. Angels were weeping to see Satan's just rebellious words come out more and more. Angels also wept at the fall of Adam. When Adam fell into sin, 
Here are these angels that are brokenhearted about though, you know, ha- uh, one third of heaven falling, and now they see another planet fall, and it begin- they begin to weep over and over again because they don't see an end to this, ladies and gentlemen. Sorrow-filled heaven, as it was, realized that man was lost and that the world which God had created was to be filled with mortals, doomed to misery, sickness, and death, and there was no way of escape for the offender. Now watch what else she says made an angel weep. I was shown the life of Brother B in his family. Angels wept as they viewed his course at home, as they viewed the unloved who? Wife who receives no respect from him, whose duty it is to love and cherish her as his own body, even as Christ has loved and cherished the church. He takes pains to make her defects apparent and to exalt his own wisdom and judgment and to make her feel her inferiority in company and alone. You ever been around a couple and this couple, you can say one of them will be just completely insulting their spouse right in front of everybody else? That makes angels weep, ladies and gentlemen. Because the home is supposed to be the greatest picture of heaven, the greatest picture of God on earth. And angels weep when they see just over and over again those who profess to be followers of Christ no longer represent that picture. And that's very important for many of the single people as you're just thinking about the future. It's extremely important that you do a lot of prayer and counsel and not just rush into things. Our home here on earth is the place in which to prepare for the home above. If there are such temperaments in the family that they cannot live in harmony here, they would not, unless converted, be in harmony in the heavenly family. There is altogether too much careless talking, censuring, fault-finding in families that profess to love and serve God. The unkind words, the irreverence, disrespect found in many families make angels what? Weep. I never forgot I was at the airport, okay? This just happened like two days ago, two, three days ago, okay? I get off the plane, I'm at the luggage place where you're getting all your luggage, right? And everyone's there, and everybody's just like trying to get their luggage and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, we hear this lady scream, okay? Everyone turns around, because the reason why she screamed, this is what she said actually, this is why everybody turned around, she said this, shut up! She was yelling at her little toddler. She was screaming. Everyone just stopped and just stared at her. And I just shook my head. I was like, I hope she sees me shaking my head right now. She just yelled at a very just defensive child. I mean, she just, the way she spoke to them. Ladies and gentlemen, what's happening in our world today is that the devil is seeking to destroy any picture of God on earth. Now I'm going to ask you a question. If you had an ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend, They broke up with you because they were very angry at something you did. And a month later, they found an old picture of you. What would they do to that old picture of you? What was it? Who said that? Who said that? Yeah, that's probably right. Or use it for target practice, right? Think about this. When the devil rebelled from heaven and when he was kicked out of heaven, he found pictures of God. You know what those pictures of God were? It was the marriage relationship, which represented the personal side of God, and it was the Sabbath, which represented his omnipotent power. And those two institutions, he said, these are pictures of God, and when he saw those two pictures of God, you know what he sought to do? Burn them. Destroy them. 
And ladies and gentlemen, those two institutions from the Garden of Eden have been more attacked and they will be attacked even more as we get towards the end of time, ladies and gentlemen. Why? Because the devil hates these pictures. And these pictures are very clear about revealing who God is. Okay, here we go. Now here's what she also talks about makes angels weep, okay? The work should not be left prematurely. Talking about new members or people who've been given gospel truth. See that all are intelligent in the truth, established in the faith, and interested in every branch of the work before leaving them for another field. And then, like the Apostle Paul, visit them often to see how they do. Oh, the slack work that is done by many who claim to be commissioned of God to preach His word makes what? Angels weep. In other words, you ever have a lot of people who come get baptized in an evangelistic series, right? And then what happens, the evangelist is long gone in another country or another state, and there are a bunch of people, and you know what happens to many of those people? What happens to many of those people? Yeah, they fall away. Angels that have worked really hard in getting those people there so that the church can help in their growth, all of a sudden, angels see the church completely abandon them and say, well, you, you signed the document, you got baptized, you're part of us now, and that's it. And angels are like, no, 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 you've got to keep this work going. We worked really hard to get them here. That's why this is extremely important to understand in evangelism that when people are baptized, the work has just begun. And we as a church need to really just come around people like that and just help them to grow. Angels have many roles in the Bible. One very important role is to carry out God's purposes and plans. At first thought, this may be a simple thing for unfallen holy beings, but there's more than meets the eye. These angels are working with fallen, imperfect, and stubborn man in accomplishing the things of God. There is a real time in which angels struggle to make things happen in our world today. Oftentimes, this is overlooked or not understood, but as we learn more, we begin to understand the great controversy is more real than we have ever imagined before. What am I talking about? Talking about that in our world today, that there are nations that rise, there are nations that fall, there are kings that come onto the scene and kings that are taken off the scene. There are dictators that come up and there are dictators that are taken off. There are presidents who become, pre people who become presidents and people who are impeached from being president. And all these things, ladies and gentlemen, we need to understand the world is heading in a certain direction. Look what the Bible says right here. And God changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and he raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. The Bible pinpoints that God is the one responsible for keeping these kings in position and then taking them off. He removes them and he raises them up. Angels actually play a very special role in that. Many under different circumstances have listened to the voices of the inhabitants of other worlds. They have come to act a part in this life. They have spoken in assemblies and opened up before assemblies human histories and have done works which it was impossible for human agencies to do. Time, now watch this, time and time again, they have been the generals of armies. Can you imagine that, an angel leading a human army? Because it was necessary in one part to understand the purposes of God were being fulfilled there. They became the generals of those armies. Can you imagine that? They have been sent forth to cleanse away pest pestilence. They have eaten at the humble board of families. Often they have appeared as weary travelers in need of the shelter of the night. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible tells us we can entertain angels unaware. I know the only time most of us, th most of us think that angels are around is when we see homeless people, right? 
like that's probably an angel in disguise right there. Right? And as you're driving away, you're checking your rearview mirror to make sure they're, they haven't popped away, right? You're looking. You know, I did that one time. You know, I, 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 we, we took this guy somewhere, and we dropped off, and I was like, guys, what if you think he, what? I was telling my friends, I was like, what do you think if he was an angel? And they're like, he was really rude to us. He was an angel, right? <laughs> and so I kept looking in the rearview mirror, and I was like, I still see him. I still see him. Until we took the corner, then I didn't see him anymore. But I was like, I wonder if that was an angel. You know, we always think like that, right? But here's the thing. Angels do more than just appear as homeless people. Does that make sense? We need to kind of go beyond that, that angels, we're coming across angels every single day, and they play a special role in our lives. We're going to be so shocked when we get to heaven one day, and we're going to realize that these beings have manifested themselves every day to us in a different form. It's going to blow our mind away. But God wants us to understand that these angels were by our sides throughout our whole life. And they have helped, helped us in the purposes of God. Through the, though the rulers of this world know it not, yet often in their counsels, angels have been what? Spokesmen. President Obama doesn't know it, ladies and gentlemen, but there's an angel in his cabinet. That might surprise you. But the Bible tells us that the, God sets up kings and he takes them down. Now, I'm not saying, well, this makes me in favor of this person, this person. That has nothing to do with it. All I'm simply saying is that there are greater purposes being fulfilled and angels are playing a role in those purposes. Angels have been spokesmen. Human eyes have looked upon them. Human ears have listened to their appeals. In the council hall, at the court of justice, heavenly messengers have pleaded the cause of the persecuted and the oppressed. They have defeated purposes and arrested evils that would have brought wrong and suffering to God's children. To the students in the heavenly school, all this will be unfolded. In fact, I never forgot, I was, uh, there was a church member that actually got arrested. And uh, he was just a young man, and we had to go to his court trial. They wanted me to say something as being, a, you know, his pastor. I never forgot, the judge was there, and they had this long list of uh, suspects or criminals, whatever you want to call it. And he was just sentencing them, one, right after the other. And they had just minor infractions. And he was just going, yep, you're going to jail for 30 days. You're going to jail for 30 days. You're going to jail for a year. You're going to jail for six months. And he was just, just going really quickly, okay? And my friend was like fifth or sixth in this row of people that were dressed in orange, okay? Nice orange jumpsuits, okay? And so here they were. And he, I never forgot, I was over there. And I was just watching the judge, and I was like, Lord, send your angels by his side. Send your angels by his side. And he is just going so fast and just really just like sentencing people without even giving people just the benefit of the doubt. And he was just going through it. And all of a sudden, he came to that church member. And he was looking at the paper. And never forgot, I watched the whole thing, okay? I was staring right at the judge, and I was praying, Lord, minister to him. The judge looked up. He looked right at him. And he says, I'm going to let you go. You just have to do a few days of probation, 30 days of probation. And he closed it, that file, and then he continued stamping the other ones off. <laughs> I knew then and there, and his mother knew then and there that angels had interceded. God sent his angels, and they were whispering to that judge that moment. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to understand this, that angels are on our side, and if we pray, God will send them to help us. Can you say amen to that? What else angels involved in when it comes to leadership and government? In the 13th century, 
was established the most terrible of all engines of the papacy, the Inquisition. The prince of darkness wrought with the leaders of the papal hierarchy. hierarchy. In his, their secret councils, Satan and his angels controlled the minds of evil men, while unseen in the midst, an angel of God, taking the fearful record of their iniquitous decrees and writing the history of deeds too horrible to appear to human eyes. Babylon the Great was drunken with the blood of the saints. The mangled forms of millions of martyrs cried to God for vengeance upon that apostate power. The Prince of Darkness was controlling the rulers of that world, of the world at that time, ladies and gentlemen. They were very present. And that's why the Bible says we're not wrestling with just flesh and blood. We are wrestling with principalities, rulers, and just wicked, uh, um, what do you call it, wicked hosts, you know. So we need to be understanding these things, ladies and gentlemen. It's more than just humans that are making decisions. Angels are very present, too, as well. Now, do angels struggle in this work? Yes, they do. Look at this. From the first, Pilate was convicted that Jesus was no common man. He believed him to be an excellent character and entirely innocent of the charges brought against him. The angels who were witnessing the scene marked the convictions of the Roman governor. And to save him from engaging in the awful act of delivering Christ to be crucified, an angel was sent to Pilate's wife and gave her information through a dream that it was the Son of God in whose trial her husband was engaged and that he was an innocent sufferer. She immediately sent a message to Pilate stating that she had suffered many things in a dream on account of Jesus and warning him to have nothing to do with that holy man. These angels saw that Pilate was somewhat convicted and they said, we've got to prevent this guy from, making, from reaping this guilt that will come from putting to the Son of God to the cross. And they attempted to stop Pilate from that decision. But did Pilate listen to that decision, ladies and gentlemen? Did he free Jesus to up to be crucified? Absolutely. What does that tell you? That even angels fail in this work. Now let me just show you how much of a real-time experience this is. Take your Bible, let's go to the book of Daniel. This is very interesting, ladies and gentlemen. The book of Daniel is a very clear case on this, that angels, how they deal with government leaders. Please say amen if you're there. Daniel chapter 10, starting with verse 10. Daniel had been praying. He was wanting to understand some prophecy. He's coming down, he spent three weeks of praying, three weeks of fasting. No answer had come. But watch what happens in Daniel chapter 10, starting with verse 10. And suddenly a hand, what? Touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hand. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly, what? Beloved. By the way, who else in the Bible was called beloved? John. What book did John write? Revelation? And who wrote the book of Daniel? Daniel, those two people were called beloved. It's very interesting. And both those two people had messages for the end times. Let's keep going. Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking the word, I stood trembling. Daniel was like shaking. He was like, oh my, you know, and he's just there listening to this angel. And then watch this. This is so beautiful. He said to me, do not fear, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to what? Understand to humble yourself before God, your words will what? Isn't that comforting? To know that for three weeks, Daniel had not received an answer, and when this angel appeared to him, he says, look, we heard you from the very first day you were praying. 
and we want you to know, you are loved, Daniel. We are hearing you. And then he explains the reason for the delay. Let's keep going. You're going to see something very interesting here. Do not fear, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand, to humble yourself before God. Your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But, in other words, there was an interruption here. The prince of kingdom of Persia withstood me how many days? Now, ladies and gentlemen, what was Daniel doing for the last three weeks? He was praying, and Gabriel was caught up doing what? He says that the prince of Persia withstood him. In other words, Gabriel had another ministry that was going on. He was dealing with the prince of Persia. In other words, there were prophetic events taking place, and Gabriel was involved with dealing with this prophetic event. In fact, look what he says right next. He says, but the prince of kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. The reason why is that the king, the king of Persia actually was struggling to restore the people of God at that time, to let the Jews go forth and complete the restoration. And there was a titanic battle taking place, a spiritual battle taking place. The devil was wrestling with the ruler at this time, and Gabriel was sent, one of the, the strongest of angels, he was sent to try to keep this prince from going in through the wrong direction. And then watch what happens next. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I've come to make you understand what will happen in your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days. Now watch what happens. Verse 15, when he spoke in such words to me, I turned my face towards the ground and became speechless. Think about this glory from this angel. And Daniel, he just begins to fall apart onto the ground, right? He can't even speak, right? No words were coming out of his mouth. He was just around this powerful angel. And it was just too much for him. Okay? Look what the Bible says next. And suddenly one having the likeness of the sons of God touched my lips. And then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision... My sorrows have overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As in for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is there any breath left in me. Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace be to you, be strong. Yes, be strong. And then he spoke to me, I was strengthened. He said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Now watch what he says right here, it's so key, verse 20. He said, do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. When I have gone forth, indeed the prince of Greece will come. For I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. Now look what he says about this Michael character again. No one upholds me against in these except Michael, your what? Prince. In other words, he was saying the battle was so intense, nobody could do this but Michael, your prince. He now adds a little bit more theological understanding about Michael. In fact, Gabriel continues, and in Daniel chapter 12, Gabriel says, Michael is the great prince who stands for your people. He says, Michael, one of the chief priests. And then he adds a little bit more. He says, and Michael, your prince. And then he adds a little bit more. And he says, Michael, the great prince who stands for your people. More and more, he was revealing to Daniel who Michael really was. But this is extremely important. You see this picture right here, this struggle that was happening in a very real way. Gabriel was actually having a hard time ministering to this king that Jesus himself actually had to come down. Gabriel, step aside. I'm stepping in. Amen? And here he is, and he's able to do the work that Gabriel could not do. Ladies and gentlemen, our eyes are going to be open one day, and we're going to be so blown away when we realize the struggles these angels had. In fact, where their greatest struggle comes from? 
They're like, I had a lot of struggles. But seeing you converted was the hardest one. <laughs> That's super important because daily they are trying to lead you closer and closer to Christ and they see the stubbornness of our heart. Now about fallen angels. What's happened to their minds since the fall? Well, look what Ellen White says right here. Satan stood in amazement at his new condition. His happiness was gone. He looked upon the angels who were with him, who were once so happy, but who had been expelled from heaven with him. Before their fall, not a shade of discontent had marred their perfect bliss. Now all seemed changed. Countenance which had reflected the image of their maker were gloomy and what? Despairing. Look at what she says right here. Strife, discord, and bitter recrimination were among them. Previous to their rebellion, these things had been unknown to them in heaven. Now, Satan's able to keep his kingdom together. But the Bible very points out something very interesting, that when sin affects a body, ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be consequences. There's going to be division. And for a group that has sin so much in them, it's going to be inevitable to see that there as well. And so here you are, ladies and gentlemen, you are taking a good look at what she is saying, that strife, discord, and bitter recrimination is amongst the angels of Satan. She goes a little bit more. Satan tempted man to sin, as he had caused angels to rebel, that he might thus secure cooperation in his warfare against heaven. There was no dissension between himself and the fallen angels as regards to their hatred of Christ, but while on other points there was discord. They were firmly united in opposing the authority of the ruler of the universe. They make it very clear, she makes it very clear that there is discord amongst them, except when it has to do when stopping the gospel of Christ from going forward. Why? Because sin is present in their heart. The law of God that was once there, that maintained unity and harmony with the dynamics of love, was now broken and marred in their very souls. What was the substitute? Pain. Sorrow. Discord, suspicion, it was no longer there. It was, the love was no longer there. Henceforth is why they have issues. They have some other issues. In fact, when Jesus uh, cast out some demons, right before he cast the demons, they said this, and suddenly they cried out saying, what have we to do with you, Jesus, son of God? Have you come here to what? Have you come here to what? Torment us before the what? before the time. You know what these angels are living in fear of? They're living in fear of judgment. What's on the minds of these angels is judgment. In fact, you know what the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4? It says this, For God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains. It says in the ESV, gloomy darkness to be kept under judgment. In other words, they know the judgment's coming. The problem is they don't know when the judgment is coming. And it freaks them out. And so these angels live with a lot of fear in their lives, these fallen angels. In fact, what is very interesting, Luke chapter 8, verse 31 says this, and they begged him that, they, that he would not command them to go out into the what? Abyss. That word appears one other place, the word abyss. It appears in Revelation 20 when Satan will be cast into the bottomless pit. The word bottomless pit is the word abyss. They know Judgment's coming. They're aware of that, and that's extremely important to understand. The Bible says, talking about fear, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. They have fear because they no longer have perfect love, ladies and gentlemen, because fear involves what? 
torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. These angels now have this kind of nature because of their rebellion against the law of God. Oh, we could see and understand that the repentance of one soul sends inexpressible joy through all the host of heaven. Melody is called forth from the harp and every voice in glorious anthems because another name is registered in the book of life. Another light is kindled to shine amid the moral darkness of the corrupt world. The very same events talking about when person is saved spreads consternation among the fallen angels. Who knows what the word consternation is? These fallen angels experience consternation when a soul is saved. Nobody knows what consternation is? Yes, you have your hand raised. It's a kind of anxiety. They experience anxiety. Why are they experiencing anxiety when a soul is saved? Because what? Okay, very good, very good. Anybody else? Why would they experience this anxiety when a soul is saved? Okay, that's true, right? The sins that you were saying. Anybody else? Why do they start feeling this consternation? Yes. It brings joy to heaven. Okay, yes. These people are taking their places. Very good. How about you? We're another step closer to heaven. The fact a person is saved means the gospel is making another step forward. And you know when the gospel goes forward to all the ends of the earth? Jesus says, the end will come. And these angels are aware of it, ladies and gentlemen. They are aware of it. Now, when it comes to angels and you, and we're coming down to the end of this, angels and you, what can you understand about angels? What kind of angels do you have? A guardian angel is appointed to every follower of Christ. How many followers of Christ do we have here? Raise your hand. Wow, there are a lot of guardian angels here, okay? The heavenly watchers shield the righteous from the powers of the wicked one. This Satan himself recognized when he says, Does Job fear God for naught? Has he not made a hedge around him and about his house and all that he has on every side? The agency by which God protects his people is presented in the words of the psalmist. The angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him and delivers him. Said the Savior, speaking of those who believe in him, take heed that you do not despise not one of these little ones, for I say to you that in heaven their angels always behold the face of my Father. The angels appointed to minister to the children of God have at all times access to his presence. Well, you've got another angel, ladies and gentlemen. And this is the other angel that you have right here. You have a recording angel. Heaven-sent warnings or reproofs, neglected, wasted moments, unimproved opportunities, the influence exerted for good or for evil with its far-reaching results, all are chronicled by the recording angel. Ministering angels will linger in our dwellings and with joy carry heavenward the tidings of our advance in the divine life. And the recording angel will make a cheerful, happy record. What's so amazing, when you read that verse in Luke chapter 15, verse 10, the verse that we always talk about when we say people get baptized, they say, hey, there's joy in heaven in the presence of, one of the angels when one sinner repents. That I'm coming to understand. Every time that you make an advancement in holiness, ladies and gentlemen, angels of God rejoice. 
It's just not when Joe Schmo gets baptized. It's every step that you are making in the progress of spirituality. All of heaven is rejoicing, and they take joy as they record what's taking place. So you have a guardian angel. You have a recording angel. Well, what else angels do for you? The Bible talks about how angels were sent to lead people to minister to other individuals. You have the story of Philip. The Bible describes how an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and told him to go to this place. What's very interesting is when the angel told Philip to go to a place, he did not even tell him what he was going to encounter. He said, go to this place. And so Philip says, okay. And the Bible even says, this was desert. You know what that means? This was desert? Yeah, it means this was desert. There was a desert place. An angel sent him to a deserted place. And so you can imagine Philip go to this deserted place. He's looking around. Okay, and there he sees the Ethiopian eunuch. And then God tells him the next bit of instructions. Oftentimes angels will lead us into certain places for the very purpose of ministering to others. The angels of heaven are moving upon human minds to arouse investigation in the themes of the Bible. Well, what else do angels do? This is very important. Today, while the humble worker for God is following his employment, Angels of God stand by his side, listening to his word, noting the manner in which his work is done to see if larger responsibilities may be entrusted to his hands. You know what these angels are doing? They're around you and they're seeing if you're responsible. And they're seeing if you're faithful because what they're going to do is they're going to take messages back to God and they said, he's ready for the next position. He's ready for the next step up. Angels are around you for that purpose as well, to see if you're ready for other responsibilities. And that is a high and holy privilege, ladies and gentlemen. All right, and I love this quote right here. There is no line of work in which it is possible for the youth to receive greater benefit. All who will engage in ministry are God's helping hands. They are co-workers with the angels. Rather, they are the human agencies through whom the angels accomplish their mission. Angels speak, don't miss this point, Angels speak through their voices and work by their hands. And the human workers cooperating with heavenly agencies have the benefit of their education and experience. Whose education and experience do you have the benefit of? Angels. I love how she says this. As a means of what? Education. What university course can equal this? You got the PhD of angels, ladies and gentlemen, by your side. C.D. Brooks, one day when he was speaking to a group of seminary students, they were getting their master's degrees. And I love this quote. He always said this. People say this all the time. They're getting their graduation. He's talking. He's like, you guys are getting your master's of divinity. And you know how all of a sudden, like, he'll be like, he'll just hit the podium. He's hit the podium. He said this. You guys are getting your master's degrees. You think you can master divinity? is what he told them. But ladies and gentlemen, what's so interesting is, through the ministry of angels, you can learn more about divinity, more about heaven, more about the things that happen in this world because of their education and their experience. God has blessed you with faithful teachers who are by your side. They are more than just being who protect, beings who protect little Christian toddlers, ladies and gentlemen. They are beings who God has sent you in to help in the work of redemption. I want to end with this story and we're done. We'll take a few questions. You know, when I went to India, about, uh, I usually go to this college and I speak, and there are over a thousand Hindus and Muslims there, okay? 
And one of my friends who became the president of that school told me that when he first got to that school, there were a lot of strange things happening. And I said, well, what sort of strange things? And he told me that many of the students, the females, when they would look outside their windows at night, would see headless women walking into the wall. Also reported one day, he said that his dean came running to him, and he says, he told him, he's like, you're not going to believe what I just saw. And he's like, well, what did you see? He said, one of the students came to me, looked inside the chapel, and he saw skeletons stand, sitting on the pews. He got scared, he ran, he told me. And he said, so I went over there, the lights were on. He says, I'm the only one that has the keys. I turned the light off. I went in there, he said, and I peeked, and I saw the same thing. He said he came back and he was telling him there were demon possessions that were taking place, all sorts of crazy things that were happening on that campus, ladies and gentlemen. He didn't know what to do. He started praying. He said, God, what do we need to do? God impressed him. You need to do a 24-hour fast. He does a 24-hour fast. Has the students join in. And they are play, praying 24 hours nonstop in the name of Jesus. In fact, when some of the Hindus and Muslims signed up to be part of the 24 hours, he was like, he was like I'm not going to let them. They're going to pray in Krishna's name? He says, this can't happen. He's praying about it, and God impressed him. If they pray in Jesus' name, God was telling him, I will answer their prayer if they pray in Jesus' name. And the students said, we'll do that. They actually started praying 24 hours straight, okay? And things begin to die out in this college. About a month later, there was registration happening that day. Big old line of students and their parents. A man from the community, an Adventist man came from, and he, he came from the community, he's like, he said to him, hey, Dr. Doss, you need to go back. He's like, you need to come out to my house because my wife is demon-possessed. She's foaming at the mouth. She's having all sorts of strange things happening. And he's like, I can't do this. I'm with all these kids right now. It's very important. He's like, I'm going to send my head elder. He said, oh, head elder, who happens to be VP of the school, he goes there, and he's there, and he's like trying to exercise this demon out of this woman. And she's just foaming at their mouth, garbling, and he's like, come out of her, come out of her, and it's just not coming out of her. You know, it, in, in India, they don't make a big, do like the Pentecostals and like jump around. They just deal with it and try to move on. The problem with this one, it wasn't moving on. And finally, he said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to speak. And it spoke. And he said, where are you coming from? And the woman spoke, and this voice came out of it, and the voice said, her sister sent me. And it was revealed that when she became an Adventist, her sister was so upset, she went to the local Hindu priest, had a curse sent upon her. And then he said, you go back to where you came from. The demon left her. But right before he left her, he said, get out of her. He said this, the demon spoke through the woman and said, where can I go? I'm no longer allowed in the school. But what makes it even more crazy, two days later, her sister died mysteriously. Now this whole story takes place about a month later. People come in the middle of the night because they hear that they're proselytizing the Hindu kids into becoming Christian. They come with torches. You know, Indians were still like living in the Middle Ages. And so like, <laughs> they come with torches, okay? He was telling me, they lined up, and our guards, he said, they have one shotgun, okay? And they have glass on the walls to prevent people from jumping over, like, that's going to stop a mob, right? And he said, they all showed up. 
and he said, they're ready to burn down the school. And he said, I went out there and I talked to them politely. I said, we are not proselytizing these kids. We wait till they're of age and they can make their own decision. And he even said, we'll bring out some of the students. They brought out some of the Hindu students and the Hindu students were totally respectful and said, no, Dr. Das is completely right. They are not proselytizing us. We make our own decisions here. The mob left, okay? The next day, one of the teachers goes out into town. He comes across one of these mob people and he says to him, he says, you know, let me tell you something. He says, when we left the school, we were going to come back two hours later to burn down the school from the back. The teacher said, well, what'd you guys do? He said, we went around the back, and he says this, we saw, and he uses the word takala, which means strong, these large, muscular men, six feet high, and to that Indian people, that's high, you know, <laughs> six feet high, he says, and they were standing, he says, six feet apart, all across the backfield, and they were in this order, and they were completely, all oh, just completely uh, guarding the back, like this. And he said, we saw them, and we got freaked out. And then he says, where did you get these army, this army? And the teacher recognized what was going on. He says, they work for us, and we can call them at any time. <laughs> That's what he told them. And they never got any problems again from the community. In fact, the community began to really fear the school. They began to fear the school because of all the, sort of the things that were taking place. These people were set up right in the midst of Hinduism and they were going forward with evangelizing these people and all the angels were there. Ladies and gentlemen, as spiritual darkness grows more and more, when we put ourselves in the midst of the battle to be a witness for Christ, angels will be by our side and will manifest themselves in the most powerful of ways. Amen? How many people here want to learn more about angels in their lives? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this time. And Lord, we just want to pray and ask God that we would understand more the ministry of angels and you would help us to cooperate, God. Cooperate more with heavenly intelligence in the work of giving the gospel. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, please visit us online at www.gycweb.org.